we're going to continue um, in this series called Live Green, The Essentials of Discipleship. Has anyone been enjoying this series? How many of you guys have been enjoying this series? Make some noise for me. Come on. All right. This has been a really uh, great um, series because uh, it's based out of this principle of the Great Commission with Jesus. In one of his last instructions, he tells us to go out and make. Come on, talk to me. Go out and make. Online make disciples, right? Right, And this is kind of like that principle. And um, if you belong to our church, or maybe you've been jumping in, one of the values of our church is that we exist to help ordinary people to become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And that's a lot of my story. A lot of my story is that, man, I, although I grew up in a church, even though I knew who God was, I really didn't have a relationship with God. And so even like me as an ordinary person, I got a chance to be in a supernatural community. And as a result, I got a chance to become a disciple. And this is our goal here is how to make disciples. Some of you are here right now and you're wondering, how do I take someone from point A to point B? This is what this series is all about. You guys good for that? And so last week, Pastor Matt, he kind of broke down uh, the practicals of how to make a disciple. Today, as we look at scripture, I want to look at the full picture of discipleship that Jesus had in mind. Because I believe even though discipleship is all about teaching, there is another component. It's called baptism. And this baptism component is probably the hardest part of discipleship. And this is what I want to unpack today. So if you're standing up with me, starting in verse 18, it goes like this. And Jesus said, or Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make, make of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for every person that is here. And God, I pray that you open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we might hear and take away everything that you have uh, to say today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. Hey, go ahead and high five someone as you're taking your way to your seat or air five them. Come on, somebody. I heard some slaps. All right. Hey, so listen, I need you to talk back with me um, because this is going to be kind of us training together. Man, you know, one of the things I love about my family or even my, my crew is that we love stories. We love watching movies, all right? The question I have for us that's on the table is what makes a story great? What makes a story great? As a matter of fact, I'll add another layer. What makes a story worth telling? You know, like we look around and we look at these blockbuster movies. What, what separates Space Jam 1 versus Space Jam 2? <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> Y'all know, right? Or, or um, any Marvel fans in here? Any Marvel fans? Make some noise. Any Marvel fans? All right. Any DC fans? <laughs> mm. <laughs> that explains it all. What separates the movies in Marvels and the movies in DC? And why is it that Batman has to be, or even Batman versus Superman, whatever that, that thing is, has to get played over and over again or directed in different ways? What makes a story great? Why is it that when we're telling someone to watch Star Wars, we have a, a certain way that they have to watch that movie, right? What makes a story great? What makes a story worth telling? I would argue that when it comes to the stories that we're telling, I would argue that at its core, the impact and greatness of a story is determined by the one who tells it. As a matter of fact, what we see is that the author can write the story, 
The author can write a compelling story, but its greatness and shareability is anchored to the one who tells it. What makes a story great? See, this is something that we talk about even on the blockbuster movie type things, but even down to our very lives, what makes a story worth telling? Truth moment here. I need you to be honest with me. How many of you are sitting next to someone that likes to help you tell stories? All right. Anybody? This is the person where you didn't ask for their help. You never asked for their help, but somehow they can't help but help you tell the story. Anybody? Now, I was thinking about this because my wife and I, um, we are getting ready to have a baby human. All right. So, so this is... We're getting ready to have a baby human. Come on, somebody. They did not stay six feet apart. And um, a lot of you guys, this has been a tough journey because uh, my wife leads worship. And so every Sunday I'm here, I get questions like, hey, where's your wife at? And I'm like trying to make up these, you know, like trying to be truthful. Like, you know, she's tired or, you know, working or whatever. But this is the reason, all right? She is having a baby human inside of us. So please pray for us that our baby is going to be healthy, boy or girl, and that they're going to be called to do some amazing things, which I really believe so. But um, and we've been on this journey. Um, but when you're pregnant, you're going to get a lot of people around you asking questions like, how's it going? How many of you guys have been there before, right? How's it going? How's this experience been? And so for us, because we've been doing this for so long, uh, we've kind of developed these go-to stories. And so every time someone, you know, kind of talks to us, we kind of pull one of those stories out. Now, here's the thing. What I've realized in this journey is that my wife tells well, way better stories than I do. Like, my wife is a storyteller. And because of this, she has this habit of cutting me off as I'm telling the story. And sometimes, you know, for me, I'll tell a story, and depending on how, you know, tired I am or, you know, what type of day it's been, my story can range from once upon a time, let me give you all the details of, uh, to over here, we're having a baby. You know, like, like it's kind of like, you know, it just depends on where we're at. But my wife, like, she always, every single time, she, she gives the details. And so what she's done, and I didn't know she was doing this, but then I kind of caught on. But what she does is she lets me tell the beginning of the story. She lets me tell the intro, bringing in the setting, the character development, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you, that person is sitting next to you. They watch. They're like, oh, yeah, tell the story, right? As soon as it gets to, like, the punchline, what do they do? They cut in. And, I, like, sometimes I'm, like, really excited about telling the story. Like, I'm like, yeah, like, I can't wait. I can't wait for them to get to this part, right? Only for my wife to cut in. And so what happened was... And every single time I look back at my wife and I'm like, yo, like, what's your deal? And every single time she looks back at me and she says, well, Mike, you weren't telling it right. In other words, what she would say, the heart side of things, what she would say is, Mike, every single time we tell our story, because of what God has done, our story was made to be great. Don't cheap the story. Tell the story. Why? Because stories, they matter. See, stories, they matter. The stories you believe, they matter. And Jesus knows that it's our understanding of these stories that is going to shape how we feel. And how we feel about these stories is going to shape how we see. And ultimately, how we see is going to shape how we believe. Let me tell you again, like when it comes to stories, and this is what we're talking about when it comes to discipleship, the stories we believe are going to shape how we feel 
How we feel is going to shape how we see, and ultimately how we see is going to dictate how we believe. Now zooming out to our world, we live in a world where the people around us, the people we love, are believing stories about who God is. We live in a world right now where people are trying to figure out and struggle with, man, who is God? And does he, she, or it exist? And is this God that is so grand and so big that you, highly, that you speak so highly about, does this God care about me? Is this God real in the midst of this pandemic? Where is he? Why doesn't God show up in the midst of my cancer treatment? Why doesn't God show up in the midst of my, my divorce? Why doesn't God uh, show up in the midst of my financial crisis? Where in the world is God? And here's the one I hear the most. I believe that God doesn't care about me. See, stories, they matter. Which is why when we look at the gospel and we look at this great commission, if you belong to Jesus, we have the greatest honor and mission on planet Earth. What is it? It's to tell the story. See, your job and my job is to tell the story of who God is and what he wants to do in this world. See, don't take this lightly. See, Jesus' answer for us is to tell the story. How does he tell the story? How does he want us to tell the story? Well, it's this word called discipleship. Point number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down what is discipleship. What is discipleship? Look at your neighbor and say, tell the story. Now, this word discipleship is, it, it, never, it never occurs in the Bible itself, but the verb of what Jesus has commissioned us to do to make disciples in the New Testament Greek is, is translated to this word mathetio, okay? Look at your neighbor and say, mathetio. Say it with me. Say, mathetio. All right, and this word just simply means helping others, helping others, all right? Nothing less, nothing more, helping others, which means if, if I wanted to learn how to play basketball, I would go to someone that plays basketball, and I would say, hey, would you disciple me? Would you help me to become a disciple in playing basketball? If I wanted to cook... Now, your boy can cook, but listen, if I wanted to learn how to cook in this world, right, I would go to someone that's great at cooking. I would say, hey, would you teach me to cook? If I wanted to know all the, the backstories of Star Wars, right, I would go to someone that's a pro and I would say, hey, would you teach me, would you disciple me in the stories of Star Wars? You guys follow me? Now, here's what's interesting is that in our contemporary Christian circles, this is how we define Discipleship, two parts. We say discipleship is over here, but we say evangelism and discipleship. Evangelism and discipleship. What does that mean? That means that uh, somewhere along the line, we look at evangelism as uh, our, our commitment to reach outward towards those that do not follow Jesus or are, are, are not yet convinced of their need of Jesus. And then over here, we look at uh, discipleship as this inward kind of program to help improve Christian disciples. Does that make sense? Um, you know, even me for uh, growing up, I grew up in the church. And for me, when I look at this term discipleship, a lot of it I thought was based around like, hey, jump in a core group, jump in a, a discipleship group, you know, join this, join that, pray, do all this other stuff. But when we look at the Great Commission, Jesus has something else in mind. Because in Matthew 28, 
when Jesus says, go make disciples, he does not say, go make disciples through evangelism and another form of discipleship. Jesus says, go make disciples through teaching to deserve, which we talked about last week, and baptism. Look at your neighbor and say, baptism. All right, be with me, baptism. All right, say it one more time, baptism. All right, now, what does it mean to be baptized? Now, this word, baptism, uh, in Greek means baptizo, and this word is interesting because, yes, it talked about an immersion experience. We see, uh, you know, John the Baptist, he was immersed in, in baptism. Jesus followed in obedience through baptism. But this word wasn't just referring to water baptism. In the New Testament Greek, in this society, like they were actually looking at baptism or baptizo as a, a, a process that dye makers would actually use. And so, for example, if you were a mom and you wanted to make your daughter a pink dress, what you would do is you would go to the dye maker, and maybe if this cloth is gray, you would take this gray cloth, and you would give it in the hands of the dye maker, and the dye maker, through this immersion baptismal process, they would allow this gray cloth to hit pink dye. It would immerse. They would take it out, dry it, put it out in the sun, and in that entire process, this immersion process, what was, not, what was before a gray cloth is now a pink cloth. In other way, another way to say this would be the gray cloth combines with the pink dye, and now the pink dye has changed the classification of the gray cloth, which means when someone now sees the pink cloth, they do not see a gray cloth, they see a pink cloth. When someone sees a pink cloth, they're not able to tell of its past. You guys follow me? When someone looks at this pink cloth, they won't be able to tell of its history. They won't be able to say, oh, my gosh, I'm looking at this pink cloth. Oh, man, it must have been great. No, no, no. Like in this process, in this immersion process that was, that was happening, this pink cloth is now its new identity. Doesn't that make you think of another verse? 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, if, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. What happens? The old is gone. The new is here. When you follow Jesus, there's been a reclassification. As a matter of fact, a couple of verses later, from verse 17, he says, like, hey, you are my ambassadors. Which means for those that follow Jesus, not only have you been made new, but those that follow Jesus, they also choose to be ambassadors for the message that Jesus is speaking. Here's what it looks like when it comes to discipleship. We look at this, this idea of helping others. We look at baptism as immersion. Immersion into, into what? Immersion into the realities of Christ. What does that have to do with discipleship? Well, here's the thing. Jesus' Jesus's complete model of discipleship wasn't that we just teach already existing creations. Jesus' model of discipleship was that we would go out and we would baptize our immersal world in a world that needs to see Jesus. We would immerse a world that needs to hear the old is gone and the new is here. Come on, if you believe that's great news, would you clap for me if you believe that is? That's the challenge. That's a challenge with discipleship. It wasn't that we were just getting in circles. Kumbaya, my Lord. But it's that we would go out. That we would go out. That we would go out. Jesus' model wasn't just that we would find already existing Christians, but that we would make disciples. Go make 
disciples. It's crazy because, by the way, this is exactly what they did once Jesus went away. In Acts 14, 21 through 22, it says this. It says that when they had preached the gospel to the city, they had made many disciples. Later on, it says when they went back home, they strengthened the souls of the disciples that were already there. Two things that I want to pick out here that applies to the great commission of Jesus and it describes what they're doing. Number one, it says that they were making disciples. They weren't just doing evangelism. They said they were making disciples, which looks a lot like what we call evangelism. And then on the other side, it says that they were strengthening the disciples, which looks a lot like what we call discipleship. See, the bottom line is this. And I love how Andrew was even earlier just talking about like just the heart of like what God wants to do within our world. And so even for you guys clapping that we get a chance to be a generous church that gets a chance to open doors all around the world. Here's the beautiful part of God's heart for discipleship is that according to Jesus, discipleship is always supposed to include bringing those from the outside in. Being a disciple is always supposed to include bringing those from the outside in. In. Here's the other challenge. According to Jesus, you can't call yourself a disciple maker if you are not making new disciples. If you are not making new disciples, you are not a disciple maker. Yes, I am not forgoing the instruction and the training up of believers as we gather together in microchurches that I love, that we get a chance to come here and sing songs, we get a chance to come here and sing a message and go out. But the message was never supposed to just stay here, it was supposed to go out. See, go make disciples. Go. Look at your neighbor say, go. See, church, we have, we have a story to tell. And we have a story that when receives, it just breaks addictions. We have a story that when received, it breaks chains. We have a story that when received, puts marriages back together. We got a marriage, we got a message that when received, where there is brokenness, there is now wholeness. See, this message It's the most powerful message that we could ever speak or ever proclaim. And Jesus is asking us to go. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, Mike, honestly, I I don't even know if I would want to even share this message. I don't even know if, if God would even have this message be true for my life. Listen to me. What I love about our God is that he loves you. Without you having to add anything else, even church online, without you having to add anything else to your to your plate. You don't have to go and help another old lady. You don't have to, you know, do something nice. Right where you are, you can be accepted by God. That's the story of the gospel, that we were so bad that Jesus would have to die, but we are so loved that he was willing to die. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. When we come to Jesus, he says there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ. The one that struggles with their sin, he's like, he will save me from this life of sin and death. He mentions one name, and that is Christ Jesus. There is freedom that is available for you. He has made you co-heirs with him. He makes it so that, man, you are debtors to, you're, you're no longer debtors to your sin and live according to it. He makes it so that you can be co-heirs with him. He makes it that you have adoption. He makes it that you can feel his love. There's something about this gospel, this story that we tell him. If we tell it and if it's received, it will change someone's life. It will change someone's life. See, here's the thing. I don't know where you're at today, but here's the thing. When your story, which might be broken and and shattered beyond what you think can be repaired, 
When your story meets up with God's story, every single time it becomes a beautiful story. Every single time. This message, this message, man, this message, if it's shared every single time, it becomes a beautiful story. Jesus says, go make disciples. Which brings me to point number two, when. When do we make disciples? Let me ask you a question. I want you to talk back to me, all right? You guys ready? All right? Yes or no? Do you believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news? Come on. There we go. Come on. All right? In Christ, do you believe we are secure? In Christ, we are loved. In Christ, we are whole. In Christ, we are chosen. In Christ, we are pure. Do you believe that there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ? Hmm. Hmm. So this is good news. This is good news? Is this the best news? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> it's funny. If this is good news, nowhere else do we ask the question of when are we going to share? Nowhere else. Nowhere else. Nowhere else do we ask this question, man, when is it time? Like, for example, my, my friends, my circle, um, we love exploring new restaurants. Any foodies here? Anybody like, like food, right? Make some noise for me. Come on. <laughs> yeah? Like, I love food. Now, listen, if you know me, you know that I'm really picky. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I really love food. I love going to new restaurants. I, kn- I love finding out what's in our area and what has just opened up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want to be the first uh, to go there, to eat of it. You know, like, I'm, I'm, like I love those experiences, right? Now, let's just say I go to a new restaurant and I have a great experience, right? I love the meal. I only, I'm only able to get one thing from the meal, but, man, that one thing, it just tasted great. I'm not going to go home and on my phone, on my way home as I'm talking to my friends, I'm not going to be like, oh, my gosh, there's just a heaviness here. My wife is like, what's going on? She's like, man, I just, it was such a good experience, but I just, I just don't know when, when's the right time to share. Like, man, like, I don't know what I'm going to say. What if, what if someone asked me, like, hey, how's the complete menu? What am I going to say? No, 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 no. The moment that this experience becomes good news, I'm going to share. The moment that this restaurant is, is like a five-star in my book, I'm going to text it, tweet it, post it, talk about it, and I'm probably going to bring somebody with me, right? Why? Because when it's good news, you can't help but share. Man, my wife and I, we were on vacation, and um, we happened to tune in on Church Online, and we hear Pastor Mike and uh, man, for those of you who have not checked out Church Online while you're away, man, it's a way for us to stay connected all around the world. We gather, but we were in D.C. at the time, and we're watching Church Online, and I hear Pastor Mike, and he's like, you know, there's this sport called pickleball. And I thought it was for old people, but Mike's one of, like, the top people in the city. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, really, Mike? You put old people in, like top sport in the same sentence like wow thanks Mike so athletic right but he's talking about this idea of just me loving loving pickleball a couple of weeks ago uh, Pastor Brooke was like hey man Mike in his love for pickleball he just he's just gonna every person he meets 
our entire staff, he's going to teach them how to play. <laughs> he's going to give a racket. He's going to give some balls. And he say, hey, here's how you play. Why? Because when I went out to the north side court with one of my friends, we ended up learning how to play this sport. We got grafted in by some crew guys that were like, hey, come and play pickleball. It's like, sounds great. We ended up playing. And I walked away, and I loved this sport. And it was good on my knees. <laughs> it was good on my knees, right? And here's the thing. Because I love pickleball, there was something in me that because this became good news to me, I couldn't help but share it. Share it. Even when it comes to, like, this, um, this baby announcement, everyone knows that in the first trimester, it's scary, right? Even though this was good news, it wasn't the fullest good news. We didn't really receive the fullest good news because we were just waiting, like, oh, my gosh, please let this baby breathe and be healthy, right? But the, the, the second we had peace and it became good news to us, what do we do? We share. See, see here's the thing about about us is that if you have something valuable and worthwhile to share, you're just going to automatically share it. As a matter of fact, what I need you knowing is that discipleship is not just something that you have to learn. It's something that is already innate inside you. You are a disciple maker by nature. As a matter of fact, for me being a Gator alum, before my kid even has the chance to love the Gators, they're going to hear about the Gators. Like right now, I'm already like trying to look at like, you know, is there white noise that's like, da, 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 da. <laughs> go Gators. And the baby just falls asleep, right? Like see, before they even have the chance to love the Gators, they're going to hear about the Gators. You guys see where I'm going? For some of you guys, you love baseball. And you want to pass it down to your family. Listen, before your kid ever even could spell the, the word baseball, you put a baseball in their hand and you put a cap on their head. And you say, hey, here's who we're rooting for. Before they even had a chance to love the sport, they heard about this sport. The same thing when it comes to, like, whether it's a business or a job. Like, there's something in all of us that we naturally share good news. Here's the principle when it comes to our, our role for discipleship. And I want you to write this down because... When it comes to discipleship, here's what I want you to do. Here's the, the sermon in a nutshell. Here's what I want you to do. As soon as the gospel becomes good news to you, I want you to share it. Let me say that again. As soon as the gospel becomes good news to you, I want you to share it. Well, Mike, I don't know everything. In the same way... That if someone asked me about a restaurant I went to one time and I wasn't able to give them the full menu, I might can't give you the full menu, but I could talk about the one thing that I ate. When it comes to the Christian faith, I'm not expecting for you to have all the tenets of, of the Christian faith nailed down. I'm just asking for you to find one thing that you could share about King Jesus and how he's transformed your life. You guys down with that? Let's make this practical, okay? Two things I want you to do. Number one. I want you to define your oikos, or oikos, or however you say this word. In Greek, it just simply means household. And what that means is you want to know who's in your reach. When I'm thinking about, like, man, you know, what I'm going to share or when I'm going to share, the next question is, is who I'm going to share with? The answer is whoever's in your reach. Here's the thing. Without you having to re redirect any other part of your life, 
you are already going to engage with a group of people. Who are those groups of people? Maybe they're your coworkers. Maybe they're your loved ones. Maybe they're your neighbors. Maybe they're the people that you interact with online for teleconferences. Like, who are the people that you are already going to be with? These are the people that are within your reach. What I want you to do is, and this is where we bring discipleship, the moment you choose to open up your mouth to share becomes a discipleship moment, I want you to find ways that you can share with them. Now, listen, I'm not asking for you to be weird, right? <laughs> a lot of times they'll be like, man, you know, Christians are just so weird. Yes, we are. But, man, I'm just asking for you to do life with them, okay? One of the things that I looked at is this, this quote by Rodney Clapp, and he's the author of The Church and Culture in a Post-Christian Society. He says this. He said, it's not enough to think about evangelism as proclamation, but we must understand it once again as the earliest Christians did, as to persuading a people to become Christians and to take their responsible place as members of the body of Christ. Later he adds this. He says, we should recognize that we are inescapably communal creatures. Community may be jostled, deprived, squeezed, but it is as persistent and as hard to kill as a rattlesnake. And by doing this, we provide people with opportunities to get a taste of real, genuine Christian community. Here's my process. You have your oikos, and this is your household. These are people within your reach, okay? One of the principles that I've kind of like started using in my life is this. Consistency in a person's life is going to lead to trust. And what trust is built leads to an opportunity to share the gospel. Let me say that again. This is important. Consistency in a person's life leads to trust. And once trust is built, leads to an opportunity to share the gospel. Listen, I know a lot of times we look at quotes that are like, hey, preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. Yes, I'm asking for you to use your words, but I'm also asking for you to do life with them. Uh, one of the places I used to work when I was in college was uh, Finish Line and, and Lady Foot Locker. I like shoes, and so I was like, hey, I might as well work for a place. Uh, that wasn't always great <laughs> money-wise, um, but man, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but have you ever walked into a store and before you can say anything, you got people that are kind of coming towards you like vultures. Raise your hand. You, you had that before, right? Is that a good experience or a bad experience? Bad, right? Why? Because they didn't get a chance to be consistent with you. Because they're trying to sell you a product before they're even finding out what you need. See, what I loved is when I would meet with someone, you know, a lot of times we would get nurses from North Florida. When they came in, I would say, hey, my name's Mike. What's your name? They're like, whoa. They didn't just give me, like, the specials of the day, right? And in that process of consistency, I would say things like, hey, you know, so what type of shoe are you trying to look for? And they would say, oh, I'm trying to look there. I was like, okay, well, where do you work? And I was like, oh, I'm a nurse. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. So you're up on your feet all day. I said, yes, I'm looking for something more comfortable. And I was like, oh, perfect. I was like, hey, let me take you to these, this section right here, and this is going to give you more support, more cushion. And then they're like, hey, is there anything else? I'm like, yeah, like actually we have these insoles that if you put in there, they're also going to give you a little bit more support and they're going to allow uh, the sole to, to last a lot longer, right? Now, my other people would get all frustrated because they're like, Mike, how are you doing this? The reason I'm doing this is because before I sold them a product, I wanted to figure out why they were there. I wanted to give them something that was actually going to help them in some ways solve their, their problem, whatever they were going with. The same thing when it comes to this discipleship, I get it. We have the best news in the entire world. But sometimes you got to take some time 
to figure out how this could be best news in their life. So it's getting a chance to really understand their story, to understand, you know, what's going on in their life. A lot of times if I'm with someone for 10 minutes, I'm going to take eight of those minutes to hear their story. And then in nine and 10 minutes, in the ninth and 10th minute, which is like two minutes, I'm going to share my testimony. But I'm not just going to like, kind of share like a blanket testimony. If there's something that they're sharing that applies to my story, I'm going to bring that out. Because in some ways, I want them to show or I want them to know that the, the, the product that I'm selling, the, the gospel that I'm, pre- that I'm sharing, that you might not think there's a solution, but look at my life, there's a solution. Does that make sense? All right. So the first one is like, hey, look at the, look at the oil cost, your, 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 your household, who's in your reach. Consistency that leads to trust, leads to an opportunity to share the gospel. But then here's the, the last thing that I want you to do is actually want you to share your faith. How do we do that? Number two, get good at remembering who you were and telling people why you're not that way anymore. A lot of times we try to make this like real, like, like oh man, I got to do this, I got to do that. Listen, just get really good at remembering who you were and tell people why you're not that way anymore. One of the things you could do e- even uh, this, this, this afternoon, maybe you go to lunch or anything like that, is to think about, man, one area or one thing that God has done in your life this week. Yes, it's going to take some processing because sometimes we can move really fast, right? To take some time to think like, hey, what are, what's one thing, God, that you've done in my life this week? And then take the opportunity to share it. See, what I love about Jesus is that his model for discipleship was as you go, make disciples. Look at Jeremy say, go, make disciples. See, the way this breaks down is that if you're a doctor— You're no longer just a doctor, but you've been commissioned by God in the medical field so that the medical field can see what God looks like when he heals the sick. See, if you're a lawyer, you're not just a lawyer, but you've been commissioned by God so that the courtroom can see what God looks like when you try a case. See, if you're a business person, you're not just a business person anymore, but you have been commissioned by God that when the business world gets to see how you run your business, the business world can see what God looks like when he runs a successful business. See, if you're a teacher, you're not just a teacher anymore, but you're God's representative so that the classroom can see what God looks like when God teaches a lesson. If you're a parent, you're not just a parent anymore, but you're God's representative so that your family can see what God looks like when God serves the ones he loves. If you play pickleball, I'll just play. <laughs> Are you guys following me? See, there's something about us that we're getting a chance to be sent. See, people are waiting to engage with people that they trust, to be in combos with people about God and faith. And church, that person, those people should be us. If I could have the band come out, because I want to end it like this, because we think... And a lot of times evangelism, again, is sharing all these in-depth tenets of the Christian faith when really discipleship is intentionally inviting people to come along the journey of your life because when it is good news, you cannot help but share. See, when you've been impacted by something you love, you can't help but bring it out. One of my favorite guys is when I play tennis with Eric Lightman. He's one of our deacons at our church. Whenever I play uh, tennis with him, a lot of times we're going at it. And then every other point, you get a chance to take a break. But I'm like, man, we don't need to take a break. Let's keep going. But whenever I get with Eric, every time we sit down is a discipleship moment. 
Every single time we sit down, he's like, hey, Mike, how are you doing? Now, at first, I'm like, man, I don't want to have nothing to do with you right now. Let's go play the game. You're not my friend right now. You are my competitor, right? But disciples, they do things differently. See, every single time we gather, every time you're with your friends, every time you're with your coworkers, is the chance for a discipleship moment. And every time there's a discipleship moment, there's the moment that can come from heaven to earth to invade their life. Let me end it like this. When the gospel becomes good news and worship team, you can come out. You can't help but share. But the question on the floor this morning that we have to ask honestly is if the gospel has become good news to you. See, this is a faith where maybe you can start to try to pretend this thing out. But this is not a faith where you can sustain this thing out because you will get exposed. If you're in this moment and you're wondering, like, man, I just can't ever share. And I, you know, I, I just find, my moment, I find myself in moments where it's like it's just not worth sharing. And I, I box up or whatever. Yes, there could be fear. But you got to ask the question, has the gospel become good news to you? Because whenever it's good news... You can't help but share. You know, I was, I was thinking about this this morning, and this is really where I want to land because even looking out here and looking online, it is my heart that all of us could be sent. But here's the difficulty of this sermon, friends, is that before the gospel can go through us, it has to go in us. Before the gospel goes through us, it has to first go in us. It's not enough to just sing songs like Jesus loves me. But it's internalizing inside to realize that, man, Jesus, he loves me. He loves me. I was talking to a youth pastor this week, and he was sharing about one of, one of the kids that was in his town. He was a football player, and um, he ended up passing away. But before he passed away, he ended up uh, answering one of the calls, the altar calls. He ended up giving his life to Jesus. And so uh, when he was with the, the, the pastor, the pastor said, hey, what made you want to come up to the altar? And this guy weeping, he was like, hey, before you ever preach the sermon, during worship there was this song that says, how he loves me, how he loves me, how he loves me, how he loves me. And he's like, hey, in that moment, I, if you knew my story, my mom and my dad have been fighting. My dad would abuse my mom. This was kind of like a new start. We moved to a new city, didn't really know anyone. I didn't know if God loved me, but man, I get to this moment. I hear this sermon that says how he loves me. And then I just began to sing, yes, he loves me. Yes, he loves me. And so one of the challenges of the youth pastor is like, hey, uh, go out and, and just, just tell them about how much God loves you. And he's like, well, I don't know how. He's like, how would I do? He's like, hey, just sing the song. <laughs> what impacted your heart? He's like, just sing that song. And so every day at practice, when he got around his teammates, he was like, Jesus loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And every day, you know, people just kind of walk by kind of, you know, not really pay attention to him. He got picked on a little. 
But every day he would come back out and say, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Jesus loves me. Oh, how he loves me. And he's telling me a story. He's like, yeah. And, and then one day he was on the practice field and he ended up passing out from heat exhaustion and he ended up dying. Shocked everyone. Shocked the, shocked the, the youth group at the time, the FCA that was there. I mean, it just shocked everyone. And so this kid who was just new to town was just known for the, oh, how he loves me. And if you asked him, he would say, man, this really did nothing to the team. How was this effective to the team? Yet at his funeral, when one of the football players had to do a eulogy, with tears bawling and streaming down his eyes, he opens up the story, and the first words out of his mouth was, Jesus loves me. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves me. See, the beauty of the gospel is that before it can come through you, it has to come in you. See, I don't know where you're at today, but if you've never allowed his story to become your story, today is the day. If you've never shared the message of Jesus, if you, have a, if you have a gospel that has transformed your life, but you've never shared it, you have to ask the question, has it become good news to you? See, church, Jesus loves you, and he has a better story for your life than you can create on your own. This will be the last story. You know, one of the things that my wife and I have kind of developed over time because of so many different mistakes is that before we would go to an Airbnb or uh, before we would go to a restaurant, because of so many bad experiences, it has become my mission to research these organizations to find out its reputation. So if it's Airbnb, I'm not just going to go buy the pictures on the Airbnb site, right? Don't do that, right? But I'm going to take the address and I'm going to go to the Google Maps and I'm going to figure out its reputation. I'm going to look at the reviews and I'm going to figure out, like, hey, it, you know, sometimes they just kind of copy and have robots say, it was the greatest three. No, no, no. I'm going to go, like, five years back and I'm going to figure out, like, hey, what's the reputation of this place? If it's a, a restaurant, I'm going to go to the restaurant and I'm not just going to go and look at the menu, but I'm going to go to, to Instagram and see what they have. I want to see pictures of, of this food. I want to see where it's at, right? Because I want to make sure that, that the reputation, it, it precedes itself, right? I want to make sure that it stands up to his reputation. See, what I love about what Jesus is calling us to do today, he says, I've received all authority on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? The name. Well, Mike, what's the big deal about a name? <laughs> well, in some ways, this word name can be translated to mean reputation. So what he's saying is like, hey, not only are you being called to go, but your mission is to immerse people into the reputation of my name, which my name has all authority. My name can heal the sick. My name can raise the dead. My name can make your life that seems broken whole. My life and my name is on the line. He says, man, my name has all the authority on heaven and earth. My name is the one at the end of days, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that I am Lord. My name, it saves, it redeems, it sets free. My name is what you need. Not my name, not me, but my name is the thing that can set you free. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads because... 
thing I got to ask for you today is that have you come under his name? Have you come under his name? See, maybe you're here and you've been considering Jesus. Maybe you've been investigating Jesus. Maybe you're convinced you're ready to go all in. Let me say this. Like we say in the early church, in the book of Acts, they would come to people and they say, hey, repent and be baptized. Once they heard the good news and it became good news to them, they wouldn't just wait, but they would say, hey, repent and be baptized. They would follow in obedience. What does that mean? It's not only that it's baptized into his reputation, but you're also baptized into his authority. You are baptized into his family. You are baptized into his grace, which means you have new life, a new nature, a fresh start, a new heart. Like there is hope that is available to you, but all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say yes. Come on, close your eyes just for a second. Think about your life right now. Come on, maybe today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Maybe some of you guys in your own heart need to say, Jesus loves me. Yes, he loves me. Jesus loves me. See, here's the last thing with every eye closed and every head bowed. Here's the last thing I want you to think about. See, Jesus, we said this earlier, Jesus has a reputation. He's known. He delivers. He sets free. He restores. See, Jesus has a reputation, but so does your sin. And I'm trying to be nice, but it's hard to be really nice towards something that is destroying you. Jesus has a reputation that will make you whole, but your sin has a reputation that will only leave you more broken. The question I have for you with every eye closed is honestly, even there online, what has your sin done for you lately? What has your sin done for you lately? If you were to look at the reputation of the things that you're stuck in, the addictions that might be in your life, the brokenness that might be beyond repair, what has your sin done for you lately? Has it given you peace? Has it given you joy? Has it given you assurance? Has it given you a home? Has it provided you with a family? What has your sin done lately? Because Jesus has a reputation that all, everyone, without exemption, who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. They would. They would be saved. They would be set free. Right now is that moment. Has the gospel become good news to you? Today is the day of salvation. And here's a moment and a story that you'll begin to share for the rest of your life. If you're here and you haven't allowed this good news to be good news to you, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands. This is saying that, Jesus, today I'm choosing to follow you. I'm choosing no longer to embrace the reputation of my sin, but I'm running to my Savior who catches me every single time. Welcome home is what we're about to say.